Welcome back to Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazzino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. Each week on Ingredient Insiders, we'll be having fun conversations with amazing chefs about their favorite ingredients. And we'll also be joined by food suppliers, farmers, producers of the ingredients to talk about how they're made, why the chefs like working with them, and how they're using them in their kitchens today. On this episode, we will be talking about burgers. Yum. I love hamburgers. I love cheeseburgers. I actually love cheeseburgers. In fact, most of the burgers I eat are, are usually going to have cheese on them. Me too. Do you have a favorite burger? The thin patty. Cooking like, it on the flat top, you like get that char. Like a patty melt. Yeah, like a patty melt. Onions, American cheese, and I like a mixture of mayonnaise and ketchup. You know, I'm going to take you that thought one step further. I love a mixture of mayo, Hellman's mayo. Only Hellman's mayo. Best um, foods west of the Rocky Mountains, as they say. <laughs> Plus Heinz ketchup and relish. Relish. Oh my God, yes. I like pickles, like actual slices of pickles. No, I'm saying relish in with the ketchup and the mayo. It's like a Russian dressing. Yeah, I call it special sauce. (laughs) I didn't invent that. No. That's what I call it. And you know what my new latest little riff is on that? What? I take Spanish pimenton lavara. They make a dulce and a picante. Mm -hmm. Go with the sweet. I put a little like half teaspoon into the mix. Unbelievable. I've been mixing Calabrian chili spread in the mayonnaise and using that on pretty much anything, but it's really great on a burger. That's very Italian. I'm very Italian. Well, there you go, Andrea Parkins. (laughs) We have an amazing guest on today. His name is Eric Greenspan, a.k.a. Greeny. He is a chef that is based in Los Angeles, and he's he's got an illustrious career, which we'll talk about. But right now, he's very deeply involved in a couple of projects. One of them is making a wonderful American cheese called New School American Cheese. We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But he's also runs... Have you ever heard of Ghost Kitchens? I have heard of Ghost Kitchens, and they've become exceptionally popular throughout the pandemic when takeout and delivery kind of became the only way you were going to get food from your favorite restaurants. Do ghosts actually work in these kitchens? Yes, they're actual ghosts and they, no. Ghost kitchens or cloud kitchens, basically you're renting kitchen space and then you're partnering with a lot of these different apps like a DoorDash or Uber Eats to create, you know, kind of checkpoints for your restaurant and you can service a larger group of people. So we're going to talk about that with Eric because they're immensely popular. There's a Billions of dollars of investment mm-hmm. going into this ghost kitchen concepts around the country, around the world. Yeah. And, and to your point, they took off during the uh, pandemic in 2020. We're also going to be talking to Chris Auth from Allen Brothers. Allen Brothers. Amazing. Chicago legendary family of butchers. Best beef in America, in my opinion. They call themselves, they have the great steakhouse steaks. They do. And we're going to be talking to Chris about all the different types of burgers, what makes a good burger, all things burger. I'm an 80-20 guy. Yes, I like a Chuck-only burger. I think Interesting. it's become a little bit, everyone wants the blend, the Chuck brisket short rib, which, you know, we do really CBS, well. Yes, I like CBS. that. Chuck brisket short rib. Short rib, 80-20. I like I'm not a sirloin guy. No. It's too dry. There's not Very enough fat. Dry. I see a lot of burgers that are sold. Sirloin burgers. Not happy when I eat a sirloin burger. I think you need to have fat in order to, you know, get that juicy, flavorful burger. And you're going to get that from the chuck. You're going to get it from the brisket or the short rib, but definitely not sirloin. I feel like I eat a lot of burgers in the summer. Is that just me? I think everybody eats. It's a. It's like the top grilling food of the summer. I, I literally have burgers twice a day in the summer. 
Twice a day? I think so. It feels like. A breakfast burger and a dinner burger? No, usually a lunch and a dinner. Okay. I've been doing that intermittent fasting, so not a lot of breakfast. I like, though, the egg on the burger. I love an egg on a burger. By love the way, it. one of the great burgers, now that you say that mm -hmm. egg, for Charles Ugh. Prime in New York or O Cheval in, New in Chicago. Delicious. With Talk the baker's me. bacon? Yes. It's incredible. I also love, for a very long time, love not... At Mineta Tavern, mm -hmm. they have two burgers on the menu. Yep. The one is the tavern burger, and then their kind of coup de gras is the black label burger. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, and the black label burger costs a bit more money than the tavern burger. Yeah. I prefer the tavern burger. Okay. You want to know why? Why? Because you're allowed to have cheese on the tavern burger, but they you're will allowed? not- Yeah, they won't give you cheese on the Mineta, the Mineta burger. Why? Because they're so uh, proud about the quality of the beef. Like and they the want flavor. you to taste the meat? Yes. I, I I get it, but I just think you should give the people what they want, and that's yeah. cheese on the burger. I want cheese on the burger. Yeah. My favorite burger most recently, I was telling you about this new brunch spot that I went to. Mm -hmm. They also have a really good burger. It's a double patty, yeah. which I'm really into. It's kind of their take on like a shack, Shake Shack burger. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's elevated and just super good with the secret sauce, if you will. Cheese. Where's this place? Oh, it's called Shea Nick. Ah, it's on the Shea Upper Nick. East Side. It's on 92nd in York. Interesting. Oh, look at you with the promo. Well, the other burger that I think is incredible, but I hesitate now because the chef left and he was kind of a burger savant. His name is Josh Capon, chef. Mm -hmm. He's won the South Beach Food and Wine Burger. The Burger the Bash? He's won the Burger Bash like a dozen times. And he was most recently the executive chef of Lore Fish Bar. Mm -hmm. You don't think of a fish bar restaurant as having I probably would one not of the order a burger burgers. at a well, fish bar. Let me tell you something. The Bash Burger, which is what it was called, mm -hmm. probably the best burger in the United States of America. That's a huge statement. I know, but that's how what I feel. What makes it so good? I don't know. He does magical things. It's just a magic It's burger. a high quality beef patty. I like a thicker burger. Mm -hmm. The ratio of burger to bun, very important. You need the right ratio. What kind of bun do you like? I'm a Martin's potato roll guy all the way. I kind of disagree. I like soft and squishy. I like a brioche bun. Ugh. I love it. Well, we can still be friends. Okay. This episode is in partnership with the Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. All right. I'm really psyched. And let me say, you know, we're talking to somebody in LA. So you know what I'm going to say, Andrea? What? I am so stoked today. We have Chef Eric Greenspan on the phone. I call him Greeny. Is that just you call him Greeny or does everybody call him Greeny? No, Greenie? that's what everybody calls okay. him. He's like, yeah, but Johnny Max gets a little special <laughs> insight into calling me Greeny. I, I'm going to give him the credit for it. All right. I'm going to call you Eric. That's for this. Fair. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. My absolute pleasure. I'm super excited to be here. We are talking about burgers today. And, you know, before we even get started, Eric, tell us what's a great burger? Like what goes into that? Well, I mean, man, wow. That's a how much time do we have, right? Um, About 30 look, minutes. A, a great burger to me can be a lot of different things. And I think it's really the synergy of kind of all of the ingredients together, right? Like for me, a great burger can be a smash burger where you've got a really high fat content and you're smashing the burger super thin and it's crispy and it comes with a really nice soft bun, you know, and, and simple condiments. A great burger can be a really thick, juicy pub burger with a, you know, really special kind of grind on it uh, with, you know, with kind of the right cheese on it and, and a handmade aioli and a baked brioche bun. A great burger can be, you know, a patty melt with super crispy rye bread and deliciously caramelized onions. I think that 
you know, what makes a burger great is the sum of all of its parts. And so to say what specifically makes a great burger, uh, I think that's a hard, that's, that's really a hard thing to quantify. Well, I love what you just said, because I'm actually drooling and we just had lunch a few minutes ago and I'm still hungry. Tell us a little bit about your history. You are originally, I said you're based in LA, but you're originally from the New York area, no? I was born in New Jersey, yep. uh, lived there until I was 10, uh, and then moved to Los Angeles. So every, so in Los Angeles, I was way too East Coast for everybody. And in uh, and on the East Coast, I'm like way too West Coast for everybody. So I guess I'm Midwestern. Maybe you need to move to Chicago. Chicago's next. Yeah, as I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> so, and tell us, you know, a little bit for the listeners, how did you get into the restaurant industry? How did you become a chef? You know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people think of me as, you know, look, there's been a lot of iterations of Chef Eric Greenspan, right? Um, and so... You know, a lot of people know me from kind of the Food Network and Winning Iron Chef and Patina and the fine dining background. But I started as a dishwasher and then very quickly a short order cook while I was in college. You know, when you want to talk burgers, you know, like I was a breakfast cook and a burger cook uh, for four years while I was uh, attending the University of California at Berkeley. And then it wasn't until then that I kind of made my foray into fine dining. I, I moved to France and went to culinary school at Port Blue and then... I moved to New York City and kind of, you know, cut my chops at some of the finer restaurants there in in the late 90s, working at Aboulé Bakery and Union Pacific with Rocco Despirito. I uh, helped open the Essex House, uh, the uh, Alain Ducasse at the Essex House. So I did a lot of my early work in kind of fine dining kitchens. And then my first executive chef job was at Patina here in Los Angeles, where at the time was considered, at least by me, the best restaurant in L.A. I would say so. Um, and now you're working on, or you have worked on a burger concept, right? Yeah. I mean, a burger concept at all, you know, like, look, I, when I opened up my restaurant, the foundry on Melrose, I wanted to kind of, I wanted to bring kind of the fine dining experience to the people. And so I really put a, a strong focus on elevating classic comfort food. And, and that's where kind of my foray into the grilled cheese world came and, and started writing and opened up a grilled cheese restaurant, wrote grilled cheese books. When I shut down, you know, I expanded that restaurant empire uh, in like seven different restaurants about five years ago and then decided I didn't like that lifestyle and got into the ghost kitchen world. And now I, I, I develop, uh, I started a company called Virtual Dining Concepts where I develop virtual concepts for independent restaurants to kind of get into the virtual game, basically turning independent restaurants into ghost kitchen operators while they're also operating their own restaurant. Uh, and in doing so, launched uh, a concept with a YouTuber named Mr. Beast called Mr. Beast Burger. We launched about five months ago. We're in, we've opened up 1,200 units or so. 1,200 uh, units in so five yeah, months? I'm deep in the burger business now. So you've opened 1,200 units in five months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of burgers. That's crazy. Yeah, we sold our first million cheeseburgers in five weeks. Wow. Unbelievable. So and that was all through the ghost kitchen concept, right? All through, all virtual, yeah, all virtual. We, you know, we've teamed up with independent restaurants and enterprise brands, kind of all over the country. When we launched, we were already in three hundred restaurants. So the minute the news got out that we were doing this, and the kids started downloading the Mr. Beast Burger app. Uh, in fact, the day that uh, he announced uh, that we were doing this, uh, the Mr. Beast Burger app was the number one downloaded app in the app store and uh and it was bonkers and we took off from there and now you know we've continued to sign on more partners and 
you know, look, it, it helps our partners with a new revenue stream. It obviously helps us grow the concept. And uh, it's been a really, really special journey. And now we're, you know, we're embarking that journey with multiple other brands kind of following that same kind of strategy. For, for people who don't understand what a ghost kitchen is, give us, you know, just in layman's terms, what, what is the ghost kitchen? So it's interesting because, you know, if people think that I'm in the ghost kitchen business, and I don't know if that's necessarily true, I'm, I'm in the virtual brand business. Uh, a virtual concept business, which is different, right? Like a ghost kitchen is a kitchen with no forward-facing retail space. So it's a smaller footprint. It's usually in a shared facility. And it's a tech-enabled kitchen where you would cook one to multiple concepts out of one kitchen for delivery only. So it's used by larger brands to kind of pick up excess delivery radius and to increase the delivery sales. A ghost kitchen is used by you know, mom and pops to kind of get into the game uh, in what they perceive to be a more affordable way. Well, how is you know, for- it's, it's, it's oftentimes run by people who will like launch multiple brands out of one kitchen so that they can kind of maximize their economies of scale. What we do is a little bit different is that we take, we try to take advantage of excess capacity, labor, space, and time in existing restaurants so that they don't have to rent the additional space. Uh, just use the current space that they are already paying rent on and bring additional brands into the fold via delivery. Got it. That's a great explanation. And it makes sense to me. So what is in or what is the Mr. Beast Burger and what makes it so great? What makes the Mr. Beast Burger so great? I think, again, like I said, when you talk about what's a great burger, I think that the combination of what we do for Mr. Beast Burger is what makes it special. You know, there's, there's a great seasoning on the patty, but we use a 75-25 patty and, and, and we are really focused across uh, all of our market partners in making sure that they really smash those burgers paper, paper thin. So we're probably the largest, I mean, we're definitely the largest, you know, national burger chain that really focuses on the old school, super paper thin smash where you cook it all the way through on one side and it gets that laciness around the edges and and that crispiness that brings just a kind of a way more intense beefy flavor and then we pair it with super simple ingredients we use uh what some might call an exorbitant amount of diced uh white onion to kind of cut through that fat to cut through that crisp and that beef flavor Uh, and then it's mayo pickles ketchup mustard and a super soft lightly toasted split top white bun double patty double cheese i forgot the cheese i can't believe i forgot the cheese. i was gonna uh, say what about the two, cheese two slices of the greatest and and most necessary element to any strong burger which is melty american cheese so i'm glad you mentioned american cheese and, and we spoke about it a bit earlier so you've embarked now on another project to create a premium American cheese. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that because yeah, that to you me know, is amazing. Look, Labor of Love, uh, about three to three and a half years ago when I released my book, The Great Grilled Cheese Book, I thought it would be fun to kind of split the chapters up by cheese type. And obviously, if you're writing a book about grilled cheese, uh, you lead with American cheese. And so I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we made our own American cheese in the book and showed people kind of how to do that? And we did different flavors of American cheese. The original recipe, I, I looked into what goes into American cheese, and I was shocked to kind of see how, look, American cheese in many ways is reduced down to its lowest common denominator, right? Everything, every operator who creates American cheese is doing is trying to figure out a way to commodify it and to make it and, and to cut costs, right? So there's a ton of fillers, 
There's a ton of sorbic acids and, and, and a bunch of different antimicrobial agents that people put into there. There's, you know, oils and colorants, you know, powders mm-hmm. and things like that, that kind of been going into American cheese. And I thought, man, there's got to be a better way, right? Like these days, every discerning chef who knows burgers is putting American cheese on a burgers. You know, you look at your Shake Shack and, and you look at your kind of your higher end chefs and everybody's worried about their grind. Am I using brisket? Am I using chub? Am I using aged? You know, they're worried about their bun, whether it be like, it's got to be a Martin's potato roll or we're baking our own brioche and people are hand making their own mayos and using heirloom tomatoes. And then they're slicing commodified American cheese and putting it on their burgers. And I thought, you know, look, if we care so much about everything that we do to our burger, why are we not caring about the cheese? And and I know, and I think that most people agree that there's really nothing better than American cheese. But the problem is that it's like, you know, it's not made of quality ingredients. So myself and my partner decided to set out to create an American cheese premium ingredients. So we're going to be the, you know, we're not quite in market yet. We'll be in limited, limited, limited uh, discerning deli cases by the end of this month and hoping to ramp up into supermarkets and online and uh, in food service with great companies like Chef's Warehouse uh, very, very, very soon. Uh, but what we did was we're, we decided to be the only American cheese on the market that uses whole cream instead of kind of breaking it down into powders and liquids and stuff like that. So we're using whole cream. You know, we're using, uh, we're using a high-fat kind of European-style butter. So we get the best melt, but also kind of the richest flavor. We're using, you know, instead of just using barrel cheddar, like most American cheeses make, we're using some aged cheddar in there, kind of bringing out a little bit of funk and kind of playing around with kind of those flavor notes. And then we're using sodium citrate, obviously, that you need to kind of make the emulsion, but we're probably using the least amount of sodium citrate that you need to use to make it work. And so what we've come up with is the cleanest label American cheese that's out there and, you know a really high premium, you know, using premium inputs, like actually caring about what I'm putting into it instead of trying to figure out what I can take out. I cannot wait to taste this. Yeah. It, Dude, it's so good. I love cheeseburgers. I'm going to, you guys want to, I'm going to let you know a little secret. You guys want a secret right now? Mm-hmm. Here's my secret to a cheeseburger. Use two slices of cheese on every burger. Like that's, together oh, yeah, or sure. like layered? That's that's the secret? I thought guys, that was what you needed. No, that's my secret. <laughs> Thanks, Because sometimes people just put a single slice of cheese on a burger. It's not enough. It, 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 it almost disappears. Yeah. you yeah, got to put at least two slices. A hundred percent agree. Anybody you hang out with that's only putting a slice of cheese on it and calls themselves your friend, they're not your friend. They're not my <laughs> friends. No, you're right. No, they're not your friend. I bought Eric's Grilled Cheese Cookbook during the pandemic. I got to tell you, Andrea, it was the best purchase I've ever made on Amazon. Mm-hmm. My man. It has so many... Re- well, first of all, let me give a little preface here. We have some cooking competitions in our office from time to time. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, we had a cacio e pepe pasta battle. I, I might have won that. Okay. And then I challenged our cheese buyer, Jennifer Sussman, to a grilled cheese contest. And I said, you know what? I better buy this book because I want to know everything about the grilled cheese. Did you win? Oh, we haven't had it yet. Oh, okay. I'm going to win, though. Eric. Yeah, you're going to win. Eric has... So these combinations for grilled cheese that you would never think of. My question though for Eric is, do you put, do you use butter? Do you use mayonnaise? Do you use both? Like what is your base? It's butter always. Always butter? Okay. The only time to use mayonnaise is if you're doing like a really big event. Okay. So that you need to get, you know, get ahead and have everything kind of oiled up and ready to go. I don't hate on the mayonnaise concept. I get the, you know... It's fun for people to be like, oh, my God, I got this special trick. I use mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. When you're really just kind of spreading margarine on shit, you know what I mean? 
Can I curse? Because I just curse. Yeah, that's that okay? fine. Yeah, cursing. Yeah, this is a PG-13 show. Noted. You know, uh, so it hasn't, but for me, I think that you need the butter because it, you know, the butter is going to brown a little bit and those fat solids are going to toast a little bit. And so you're going to get a heightened flavor. And so it's maybe a little bit harder to work with, but like, I don't know, like. No, I agree completely. I just wanted everyone who puts mayonnaise on their grilled cheese to know that they're wrong. Yeah, they're totally wrong. I was asking you the question. Unless they're doing a huge event and they're not. And so, yes, they're, they're totally wrong. Okay. I think you know, I actually also use when, when applicable, I like to use a cast iron pan and throw the butter in the pan first and get it nice and foamy. When you watch me at like events doing grilled cheeses, like people get like both excited and appalled at the same time because I just throw so much foaming butter into giant cast iron pans. I, you know, yeah, I, I appreciate I it, man. I think that looks fun. Look, when I set out to do a cookbook, I didn't want to do, do a cookbook that was like $55 and sits on your table. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to do something that people would use and, and is accessible. Like kind of just like the same idea that I have at the foundries. Like I like to bring interesting ingredients and flavors to people in a way that is approachable that they can understand it and wrap their head around it. And that's what that book is. I think it's like 12 bucks on Amazon. And, you know, and I think it's, it's a lot of fun. Do they, and, you know, it's interesting. Those are the, you know, the American cheese section where I do like a Sriracha American cheese and we do like a beer cheese uh, and stuff like that. That's actually made its way into the new school uh, plan because what we're planning on doing is at least online on our website, we're going to do kind of like micro batches of flavored American cheeses. And we've got some really, really exciting kind of innovative flavors. We're going to team up with like some of our chef friends, like, you know, like Christian Petroni wants to do like a Calabrian chili uh, American cheese. And I've got, you know, Artie Socorro wants to do a garam masala one. And, you know, and, I, and I've been talking to like a lot of the, a lot of the food network guys and the chefs about like everybody doing like a flavor drop and just doing, because that, that's kind of the fun part about American, like, like processed cheese has, it has a bad rap because there's two kinds of process, right? There's processed in the sense that it uses garbage ingredients. That is not new school, but there's process in the sense that you have to apply a recipe to it. It has to be cooked. It has to be created. And so when you take great butter and cream and great cheese and melt it together, you're processing it, but you're still using really high-end ingredients to do it. And while you're melting that down, we've played around with throwing in a bunch of different kind of ingredients to flavor the American cheese. I'll tell you right now, if you haven't had maple American cheese on a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, you haven't lived. Andrea just fainted. I just fainted. She's, oh. she's, back, up. We, she, she, she's back up. No, I'm thinking about also color the, the colorants in American cheese. I grew up in Philly where it's only white American cheese. Yeah. And then I moved to New York and that doesn't really exist. You, no. It's only yellow. So is this, is your cheese yellow or white? So our classic is yellow. We are quickly exploring... Uh, a white and a sharp as mm -hmm. well. Uh, and, and I always think that white American is a little bit sharper than yellow American. It definitely and is. sharp American, our sharp will be our sharpest. And then we're going to do all of those kind of other flavors as well. It's kind of like, it's kind of like how Sam Adams did it. You know what I mean? They've got the three main ones and they would drop a flavor every now and again and something like kind of like unique. And, and we want to keep it culty. We want it to be for the people who know what good and, and value what good American cheese is. Like new school is that brand. New school is the brand. When you show up to your barbecue, you're proud to slap a pack of new school on the table and be like, this is what we're melting today. Or, or, or that chefs in their restaurants, you know, will, are going to be proud to put the fact that they're serving new school on their menu. Let's say Andrea and I, we fly out to LA, we go over the Greenspans on a Sunday afternoon for a little barbecue. 
Uh-huh. Talk to me about the burger that we're going to be eating with this cheese. I mean, what do you? T- I want to know. Like, I, I want uh, what all kind of, of grind, want, what you, kind of blend, how are you seasoning it, what's going on with your with the green span. So when I'm at home, home burger, yeah. First of all, people, I got two very young sons, so I can't get funky. They won't really let me, but I, but I, I do a little bit. But when I'm at home, for me, great burger is I, you know, I go to a local butcher and get a really good blend. I try to keep it high fat. Sometimes, sometimes. I'll take classic 80-20 and I will blend in. I, I take some like rendered duck fat or chicken fat. Oh my God. And fold it in. So like it starts at 80-20, but then I add enough fat to get it back to like a 75-25. But I use like duck fat to kind of make, give it a little bit more funk. The kids don't know what they're getting anyway, but the parents pick up on it real quick. Yep. Six ounce patty, grill it. I'll cook it mid-rare. Two slices of new school American. I like Thousand Island on my burger, to be honest. Me too. Or like, you know, like Russian, like, like ketchup mayo. Mm-hmm. I like good dill pickle. I like both caramelized and raw onions. Together on the same burger? On the same burger. So mm-hmm. I'll take an onion and I'll grill it. If I'm grilling at home, I'll grill it till it's like caramelized. And I'll put a couple slices of the raw and a couple slices of the grilled on there. Because I like kind of the sweetness of the caramelized onion, but I like the bite of the raw onion. So I think you put them both on there. Is there ever and then last, I like oh. to chop up some chilies, like or like use some green chili in there, like like you know, with some great green chili products, even when it's not in season, like five on five southwestern or or right. one of those really good kind of canned green chilies, just to kind of bring a little bit of heat to the party and a little bit more acid, or chop up some pepperoncinis or something like that. We saw those hatch chilies. Those yeah, are, those are yeah, awesome on a exactly. burger. Amazing. Uh, and what are you serving on the side with us? And and what are Andrew and I going to be drinking? Andrew, book some plane tickets. I, we got to go. I'm doing it right I mean, now. We're I want duck- white claws for sure. <laughs> I want duck fat fries on the side of that. <laughs> I don't have a deep fryer at home. What are we drinking? I mean, I'm going to leave that to you, Magazino. You're going to bring you're going to bring that to the party. We'll bring like, some, that's uh, not my world. Some Coca Cola. What is the best? I mean, if, is I'm, it, is it beer I would be, if I'm drinking a if I'm drinking a soft drink, I'm probably gravitating closer to like either a really strong ginger beer or frankly, and like, I don't care if I'm cooking, if I'm eating deli or not, like, man, I got a sore spot for celery. Mm. Dr. Brown celery soda. That's the, that's the East coaster in you. You lost And I love love that stuff (laughs) on the side. What I typically do is, you know, I, I try to keep it clean and I'll do either like a light coleslaw or I like to take fingerling potatoes and just slow boil them in some thyme and black peppercorn and garlic, like in the water and salt. And then chop them up and throw in some chopped hard-boiled eggs and some raw red onions and a little bit of like really good sherry vinegar and a little bit of really good olive oil. Do like almost like a non-bacony German potato salad kind of thing. That's like the patina potato salad. Yeah, exactly. And like, cause there you get it, right? You get my, my, my East Coast Jew youth, you get my new school American kind of love of comfort food and the American cheese. You get my patina high-end training, even if it's just in my potato salad and it's a party. This is amazing. We're gonna have to have you back on for another episode because we've spoken about ghost kitchens. We've spoke about burgers. American cheese. Cheese. What would happen if you show up at the Greenspans on a Sunday for a barbecue? It's been an amazing conversation. Thanks so much, Eric. We've had- Yeah, my pleasure guys. I appreciate it anytime, man. I mean, you always have uh, a wealth of good questions and and such a great sense what's out there and what, what chefs love and what people love. And so, 
And and lucky for you, I got my finger in so many different worlds that like I'll I'll talk anything with you anytime, Johnny Mac. Thanks. We're so excited to get the new school American cheese into the chef's warehouse too. I am cutting five pound blocks next week, and I'm sending you one for your enjoyment. And then uh, and then and we'll be in there really 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 soon, and we won't keep it a secret. Amazing. We can't wait. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. This episode is sponsored by Allen Brothers. The country's leading chefs and steakhouses have built their reputation upon the quality and consistency of Allen Brothers Meats. I am so thrilled to announce our next guest, Chris Off, who will be joining us from Allen Brothers Meats in the Mid-Atlantic region. Hey, Chris. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for being here with us today. I know you're extremely busy these days with the meat, I guess, market and the climate the way that it is. This is so great, Andrea, because... Chris, as everybody knows, is part of Allen Brothers, which is part of the Chef's Warehouse, our family of companies, as we like to say it. And he works out of the Fells Point Division in Maryland, outside of Baltimore. And we don't really ever get to talk to him, even though he's kind of the man behind all of our great steaks and burgers. That's true. Chris, tell us a little bit about a day in the life for you. Yeah, well, Fells Point, you know, being one of the protein manufacturing facilities in the Mid-Atlantic, you know, our day starts at 10 o'clock at night. That's actually when the grinding crew comes in, first crew in the building, and uh, we'll finish up about seven-ish in the evening when our trucks get back. So not 24 hours a day, but you know we are a just-in-time production facility, which means we cut to order. Uh, we do not cut ahead of time or get orders a day ahead. Uh, everything that we get in is entered in the system, processed in the processing room, and then pushed out to the uh, the operations team to deliver it all in the same day. So if I'm a chef ordering, you know, burgers for my restaurant or country club or hotel, yeah. when I place that order, you guys are grinding it to orders. That's correct. If you give me your order at some point before eight o'clock tonight, that order is actually taken in. Every worksheet that we have that goes into our processing room is customized. So there isn't a cookie cutter system where stuff is on the shelf and pulled. That order is, you know, is made and then uh, and delivered the same day. How many different types of burgers do you create at Fells Point right now? So including the Fells Point brand of burgers all the way up to our Allen Brothers brand. And in between, we have a a couple different labels and brands of meats that we process as well. I would say there's probably eight different blends or eight different labels that we would use, including some customized labels for home delivery folks and so forth. And then within subcategories, we would multiple. So, you know, we would probably have on the line of 50 different blends because of a customization that we do. Is there such a thing as a perfect burger or is it subjective to the the person who's cooking it? The perfect burger is really up to the customer and really what their price point is and how much they want to spend on their portion. Out of Fell's Point, all of our burgers are extremely good. You know, we, we don't use trim. We don't buy trim. It means that our burgers are all coming from fresh product, uh, never frozen product. I say it our, our lowest price burger compared up to the Allen Brothers, which ranks up to our, unless you get into the Wagyu section of it, it's all fresh. And uh, again, it, it's up to the uh, to the operator and what he wants to spend is the perfect burger. So where does the, the actual beef come from for the burgers? From South Dakota is where we pull our product from for the Allen Brothers Burger. In between there, uh, the Midwest, and I would say that's probably a good answer. The upper Midwest is where we pull probably most of all of our products from, the grind. And grain-fed, grass-fed? Grass-fed, grain-finished. You know, this is corn-fed product. We don't currently do 100% grass-fed burger in-house. It just doesn't sell, to be honest. Everything we have is either you know corn-fed product, either grass-fed or 
they're grain finished on that side. So when you say corn fed, the cows are, they're eating corn, but that actually, you know, translate to fat content, right? Correct. Allen Brothers is one of the premium brands that we sell, of course. You know, their process is, you know, they feed the animals a real high fat diet. It establishes the marbling in the meat and uh, the quality level of the animals. Also the low stress environments of all the manufacturers that we purchase from. That also is part of that animal's end result in quality. The less stress in the animal, more naturally it feeds. Uh, the better quality the meat is. When you say blend, you know, a lot of people, they think 80-20. We sell our brand new burger that we're selling is the CBS burger, the Chuck Brisket short rib. You know, what are the different blends? What do they mean? So the 80-20, you know, it could go either way. So 80-20, 70-30, 85-15, uh, 90-10. So your 80-20 is your basic burger and it's 80% lean to 20% fat ratio. And that's your basic hamburger on the market. So if you go to 70-30, you're just adding a little bit more fat to that product. And then of course, if you go the opposite direction, you're adding less fat to it, more lean. 90-10 is a lot, lots of time used for meatballs and it's a leaner grind, uh, not real popular for making burgers, just a little too dry. But again, your 80-20 is your standard fat to ratio, you know, lean to ratio for burger. And then, you know, as far as blends go, Allen Brothers has a CBS blend that we've been doing. That is a combination of a chuck, a brisket, and a short rib. We take chuck and then we, we blend in whole chucks, you know, whole short ribs, whole, whole brisket. We hand cut the products on a table first and then take a ratio and then go into a first grind and then it goes into a second grind after that, which is where the patties are formed after that. Our machinery is, is state-of-the-art and it's it's the best in the industry. When your product comes out about a three-inch diameter, a little less than that actually, two and a half, completely portioned to the size that you're ordering. So if you're ordering an eight-ounce burger, it comes out portioned eight ounce. It lays on a belt, it goes down the belt and gets pushed down almost like a smash burger. A lot of people know what a smash burger is. Kind of the same idea. Our belt doesn't, we don't have a machine that pushes the meat into a, to a mold and it gets stamped out. That's kind of an old style machine. Our burger is really as close as you can possibly get to actually hand making your burgers. And they come out that way and they're beautiful. Beautiful. And then it goes down to a machine where a laser actually uh, measures it again. And if it gets uh, any, for any reason, it's not exactly on the size that we're, we're making, it kicks it out and it goes right into packing. So the product isn't sitting around waiting to get packed. It's not sitting around. It goes right into packing and then then gets shipped. Andrea and I were just talking about smash burgers. We love smash burgers, especially when they're like crispy mm -hmm. on the outside and the caramelization. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's melted cheese involved. What's the perfect <laughs> burger? What do you recommend for making smash burgers as far as how many ounces, the type of blend, the fat yeah, ratio? I mean, yeah, I think seven to eight ounces these days are probably the, the most popular. So, I mean, seven ounces seem to be really popular these days because, you know, the price of beef is expensive currently. Chefs and owners are looking to, you know, maximize their, their profits. So they've gone down an ounce a lot of times. So seven ounces is, is probably the most popular size that we're looking at right now. But, you know, it all depends on what you're doing. We have a five-ounce customer smash burger. We have, you know, seven-ounce customer smash burger. So, again, it, it's really on the preference. Another thing Andrea and I were just talking about, Andrea, you tell me if I'm wrong, but mm -hmm. I love, personally, the Chuck Brisket short rib blend. See, I'm a all-Chuck girl you're when it comes chuck. to a burger. I think when we tried the CBS burger, a lot of people were saying it's very, like, meaty or steak-like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the Chuck, for me, it makes the best, like, it's more rich um, and almost a little bit sweeter. 
than the CBS. Maybe I'm a Chuck guy too, and I don't even know it. I just, I know one thing. I, I'm not a fan of just a straight sirloin burger. No. And it's very dry, crumbly. Is that old school, Chris? Yeah, sirloin burger is pretty old school. You know, it's still pretty you know, well used because it's it's probably the least expensive way to go making a burger, especially if you're using whole muscle compared to the blends that we're using currently. But it's interesting you mentioned that your different taste of it because the short rib adds that silkiness to it. You know, why the, the brisket kind of, tones that down a little bit and uh, you know if you've eaten brisket it's rich you know off a barbecue say right when you're grinding it it gives it a little bit different consistency and then you know the combination of the chuck and the short rib and the brisket is you know what kind of makes that that burger eat really steaky like you mentioned andrea and then also gives you a little silkiness at the end of it andrea what are you what's your ratio are you an 80 20 80 20 yeah i think you're not a 75, 25. I think it's too fatty. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's almost like you take the bite and it's like dripping down your hand, which. That sounds kind of I attractive mean, to me, actually. <laughs> I d- <laughs> so you prefer the 75, 25? I, I don't know. I mean, I've always considered myself an 80, 20 person because that's been readily available. Mm-hmm. But I agree to what Chris said earlier. I use 90, 10 exclusively for meatballs. Mm-hmm. But I'm now thinking. Maybe I want to try a 75, 25. You don't really ever see well, 75, 25 available in markets. I don't think like for the consumer base, I think it's usually 80, 20 or 90, 10 and 90, 10. I think when I see that it's like a health option. I stay away from that. No, no, no 90, 10. If you're making burgers, you want to stay away from that. Compared to a a standard press and stamp machine, you know, our burgers come out, they look handmade. And when they come out, they cook up the same way. They have an air of fluffiness to them in a sense. They're not tightly ground. So when you bite into it, Andrew, that's where you get that steak taste, you know, because Mm -hmm. again, it's not being pressed and stamped out. You know, it's being mixed and then stuffed through basically a tube that measures it and then it's just being pushed down. So it's not overworked and it's not emulsified. All right. I have a question for both of you. What is your your, your dream burger, Andrea? And I, I want condiments, topping, and I hear the same answer from Chris too. Dream Start burger. with the patty. What's on it? I do like the smash burger, the double patty, American cheese in between, and you need double cheese. No one single slice here. Double cheese, double patty, a ketchup, mayonnaise blend with pickles on a brioche bun. Sounds good. I'd like you to make that for us sometime. I will. Chris, what's <laughs> right. your favorite? So it's not going to be actually a whole lot different. I mean, I don't have to do the double, the double burger, which I do actually like a lot because you can put that cheese in between. But, you know, if I were to do an, um, an eight ounce burger that we make, so what I like to do is I take the brioche bun, which actually toast it in a pan, almost like you would do like a grilled cheese type deal yes. with butter have your burger ketchup and mayonnaise definitely i like to take you know a nice piece of cheese like a nice career sometimes if you get a hold of it or you can just go cheddar if you want Use a little thicker slice put some a little sliced onion on there red onion and then actually take some of those breaded onions that are actually salad toppers yeah that makes a pretty good burger i like that the little crispy onion uh mm-hmm. what about I, you john me? yeah what's up what's your f- favorite burger all right we're gonna start with a martin's potato roll Uh, I'm just going to toast it lightly. I like to grill. I mean, I'll do it in a cast iron pan or on the grill, but right now we're talking grill. Good amount of salt and pepper on there. Grill it to rare. I make a special sauce, which I'm going to reveal the secret right now, which is Hellman's mayonnaise, ketchup, and a little bit of relish mixed together. Sometimes I'll put a little sweet paprika in there too. Definitely cheese, two slices. I'm not afraid to admit it. Craft, American, singles, white. I don't even know if it's actually cheese or not, but melts beautifully. A piece of butter lettuce, thick slice of tomato, slice of red onion. That's like my standard Mm go-to. Yeah, so so that's going to be about, what, four inches tall? 
<laughs> yeah, about four, four to five. I feel like the hunch. Oh yeah, no, it's yeah, and I'm using an eighty twenty. What should people look for when they're buying a burger at the grocery? Depends on what grocery store you go to. Let's just say you're going to a Whole Foods, and you know where they have their little meat departments back there, and you know you definitely want to go eighty twenty. You definitely have to look for that. Sometimes I would even go a little bit to the seventy five twenty five side of things at a grocery store because the atypical grocery store grind is most likely some of their trim from their meat department, which is normal and nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, I mean, think about the trend that they're trimming. You know, they're not selling junk steaks in most of these stores, so the trim can, is pretty good. But I would just add, you know, a little bit more fat content because they can, they tend to go on the lean side. And uh, because they're doing using their trim, definitely look at the uh, color of the product and make sure it hasn't been sitting there too long and, the, and there's no diaper underneath of it. They're putting diapers underneath it. It's been sitting there too long. That's collecting all the, the purge. That's industry speak for those little pieces of plasticky paper that absorb the blood in the package. Right. Not I mean, a, it's not, not uncommon. Not, not a Pampers diaper. If it's absorbed, you know, if it's made fresh that day and you're going to buy a burger and it just was made a couple hours ago, you know, it won't be purging out and sitting there. But if it's been there for a day, that burger will start to purge a little bit. If you're a chef in a restaurant kitchen, you know, you're getting your your burger from a company like Allen Brothers that grinds it just for you. For the home consumer, though, should they be seeking out a local butcher? Is that the best way to do it? I, yeah, I have so the luxury it, of buying from Chef's Warehouse and, yeah. you know, getting an Allen Brothers You know, Brothers Allen Brothers burger. does have a home site, John. I did know that. Right. Yeah, that's that a good a point. You can just order it right from allenbrothers.com and have it delivered to the house. That's a great point. Or you know, as a second option, are you going to the supermarket or do you prefer going to a local butcher? I would say select supermarkets. I you know, have seen you know, a Wegmans in our market down here in the Harris Teeter that the products actually look very nice. The interesting thing about what we've seen, especially in our market, and I know up in the Pennsylvania and Philly market, and of course, as far as you get you know, north and even a little bit Midwest, is there's a lot of local butchers in a lot of towns. Down where we are in Maryland, you know, it's, it's coming back, but a year or so ago, maybe two years, there was, wasn't very many local butchers. Now they're popping up everywhere, in like Northern Virginia and D.C. and so forth, and they're putting out great stuff. So I would say, yeah, definitely hit your local butcher shops first. One, you're you're supporting the local the local proprietors, and uh, you know, most of the time they're buying the meats that they're grinding from from a guy like uh, a guy like me, and uh, they're making great product. So yeah, definitely support the local butchers. I'm gonna reveal something. This may or may not get edited out of this program, Andrea. <laughs> yeah. In a pinch. I will buy burgers from Trader Joe's and I have found them to be very good. I've actually ha made them for people and people have been like, this is the greatest burger. Like, what did you, where did you get the meat? And yeah. I'm often embarrassed if I, but I'm honest. No, I think yeah. like Wegman, like I love Wegmans, like personally, mm -hmm. if I, we don't have one. Oh, actually there is one in Brooklyn. I think their quality is great and they're so big that they can. The turnover is yeah, good. Yeah, it's super fresh. So Trader Joe's is interesting because they're obviously I mean, ours here in, you know, I live in Annapolis, Maryland. Ours in Annapolis, are, it's a very small, very, very small Trader Joe's. You know, everything is prepackaged. I don't even know if I've ever seen a No, like it's a pre they come prepackaged. I'd be curious yeah. for you to get, next time you go there, get a pack of their 80-20 burgers. And let, I'm curious to, to have your opinion on it. I'll have to it. do that. I'll have to do that. Always look in the ingredient statement first. So. Well, Chris, we <laughs> appreciate your time and your expertise on burgers. I know that I now want to eat one. Go turn on the grill, Andrea. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. It's always Have a, great a pleasure day. to hear from an expert. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Ingredient Insiders, where chefs talk. Like what you hear, write us a review and follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. 
Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.